0: Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast, here with a recap of the first presidential debate, which took place Monday night at Hofstra University in New York. And here it is in a nutshell.
1: Donald supported the invasion of Iraq. Wrong. That is absolutely proved over and over again.
0: Wrong. Okay, we're going to talk a bit more about the whole thing and what comes next. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter.
2: I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, political reporter.
0: And I'm Ron Elving, editor-correspondent. Okay, it's 11, what, 44 p.m. right now as we're recording this. Nevertheless, we're here, and we're going to go. Ron, what's your big takeaway? Can't remember seeing Hillary Clinton smile
3: this much Uh, in a very long time. uh, She came out smiling from the very beginning. She kept smiling, except in those moments when she was being attacked and lifting her chin and looking very seriously over at Donald Trump. Uh, She seemed to have a strategy for the evening, and I believe that both candidates did. But her strategy seemed to be executed and stay on trajectory through the full 90 minutes, whereas the Donald Trump more presidential person that he began with for the first 20 minutes or so to speak about policy, to speak substantively, to be controlled and measured and seem what people generally describe as presidential, uh, began to deteriorate when she started to get under his skin. Yeah, you could see it happen. One thing I was struck by, they did talk about a number of substantive things. They mm-hmm. talked about Donald Trump's taxes and why he won't release and them.
1: It just seems to me that this is something that the American people deserve to see, and I have no reason to believe that uh, he's ever going to release they really his
3: They talked about returns. Hillary Clinton's <laughs> emails and why she deleted 33,000 of them.
1: As soon as she releases them,
4: I will release, I will release... We
3: talked about the birther controversy, which some of us thought might have been laid to rest.
1: He has really started his political activity based on this racist lie that our first black president...
3: And we talked about Donald Trump's history of racial housing discrimination, how he was sued over this by the Justice Department at one time.
1: Yes,
4: when I was very young, I went into my father's company, had a real estate company in Brooklyn and Queens, and we, along with many, many other companies throughout the country, as a federal lawsuit, were sued.
3: We talked about law and order. We need
4: law and order, and we need law and order in the inner cities.
3: And then that devolved into a discussion of whether or not stop and frisk, which he advocates on a national basis, was declared unconstitutional by a federal court in New York.
5: Because it it largely singled out black and Hispanic young men. No,
3: you're wrong. Uh, And on and on through a number of other things that had to do with what we now call (laughs) fact-checking. And and whether or not each candidate can bring their own reality to the debate and uh, and have it be equally valid, and on all of these points, uh, either Lester Holt said, "Well, actually, Mr. Trump, uh, you didn't oppose the war." Or stopping the risk
0: was declared unconstitutional. It
3: was declared unconstitutional. Trump simply contradicted him and said to the moderator, no, Lester, you're wrong. So you
5: had supported the war in Iraq before the invasion. What makes your judgment? I did not what, support what, the, in, the war two, in Iraq. 2002. That is
4: a mainstream media nonsense put out by her. Because she, frankly, I think the best person in her campaign is mainstream media. My question J- is: Since do, you, you support like her, why is your? I was against the war. Wait a minute! I was against the war in Iraq. Just so you put it out. The record shows I, otherwise. The record but why is?
3: We changed. have seen moderators clash slightly with some of the candidates before, but the candidate does not usually come
0: back and tell the moderator that the moderator
3: is incorrect.
0: But if you support Trump and you see that, that exchange, aren't you likely to still support Trump after? Absolutely. Him? Absolutely.
2: I mean, and Trump, uh, especially on that Iraq war exchange where on the Howard Stern show back in 2002, I believe it was, he said he was uh, in favor of the Iraq uh, invasion. However, Trump turned that into, well, this is just a mainstream media thing. And that's what definitely uh, catches many of his supporters. He fans those flames very often. And Republicans do trust the media and independents as well, far less than Democrats do these days.
3: It's true, And, and, and yet there were also moments which, from a debate standpoint, would count as shifts of ground. For example, when talking about his taxes, he initially said, well, I can't release them because I'm undergoing a routine audit.
4: Well, I told you, I will release them as soon as the audit. Look, I've been under audit almost for 15 years. I know a lot of wealthy people that have never been audited. I said, do you get audited? I get audited almost every year.
3: Well, actually, the IRS has made it quite clear there's, there's no stricture against your releasing your taxes while you're under audit. Then he shifted to saying, I'll release my taxes when you come release up with those 33,000 emails, whereupon Lester Holt said, oh, so releasing your taxes is negotiable. If she releases her emails, So email. it's negotiable?
4: It's not negotiable. No, let her release the email. Why did she delete 33,000? Well, uh-huh.
3: And them, then just, uh, we were off to a third position, and we did this again with the birther myth contradiction. And we did it again with some of the other issues as well.
2: Well, I mean, at, at the end of the debate also, I mean, I I think what stuck out for me a lot what, and I think what stuck out for a lot of people was uh, the gender discussion towards the end uh, where yeah. but, uh, because it seemed as if Hillary had that whole line.
1: But this is a man who has called women pigs,
2: slobs and dogs and of things about, for example, Alicia Machado, the woman that said that ex- Donald Trump ex- called her Miss Housekeeping and Miss Piggy, for example, a
1: woman in a beauty contest. He loves beauty contests, supporting them and hanging around them. And he called this woman Miss Piggy. Then he called her Miss Housekeeping because she was Latina. All of the
2: things about Trump calling women pigs and slobs and so on, Clinton had that. She was ready. She had that in the canister. She was ready to launch that. And he, he gave her an opening when that question came up about... Clinton, or she got the opening when the question came up about whether Clinton looks presidential. Mr. Trump,
5: this year, Secretary Clinton became the first woman nominated for president by a major party. Earlier this month, you said she doesn't have, quote, a presidential look. She's standing here right now. What did you mean by that?
4: Uh, She doesn't have the look. She doesn't have the stamina. I said she doesn't have the stamina. And I don't believe she does have the stamina to be president of this country. You need tremendous stamina. The
5: quote wasn't. Wait, wait a, a minute, she ask look. me a
4: question. Did you ask me a question? You have to be able to negotiate our
2: trade deal. He started. He said a little bit about looks, and then he right. talked about stamina for a very long time. But yes. Clinton, she came in and she turned it right back, and she yeah. said, "All right, it was about looks." Now let me tell you what Trump has said about women's looks, mm. and she had it ready, and she just delivered it.
0: Oh yeah, I felt like once the debate was over. It felt like Hillary Clinton prepared with, like, index cards and, like, a list of things to prep. Prep your facial expressions. Prep the comeback. Prep the this. Prep the that. And if Trump did preparation, it seems like he did it in a very different way. I don't know. Like, he had to have prepared, prepared differently or less than she did.
2: You're right. And, you know, actually, when you talk about her facial expressions, I I was reminded tonight so much of Amy Poehler's yep. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Because— Amy Poehler's Hillary Clinton had this thing where you could see emotion going on behind the face, but she had this resolute smile despite whatever boiling was going on in there. (laughs) And, And, you know, you saw Hillary Clinton look genuinely happy at various points tonight, but even when she might have been flustered, she just kept grinning. She kept it together.
0: All right, let's get Tamara Keith on the line. She and I usually take turns hosting the podcast. Tonight she was actually at the debate at Hofstra. Hey, Tam. How are you?
6: Hey. Where I'm are, good. How are you doing? I'm
0: good. Where are you?
6: Well, so I am in the Media Filing Center, which is also the spin room, which um, a few minutes ago Donald Trump like left the debate and walked into the spin room. Yes, he to spin did. In his own debate, because why not? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what was the view and the experience like for you being there?
6: Yeah, so I mean, for our listeners who maybe don't go to a lot of debates... Um, the wild thing about being a reporter covering a debate is that you're actually just in a giant gymnasium type room or whatever, like the biggest room on the college campuses where they can house us all. Yeah. And there's just like rows and rows and rows and rows of tables where there are like a thousand credentialed reporters here to cover this debate. And we all watch it on TV together quietly.
0: So for the um, reporters watching the debate on TV, what were the big crazy moments for them in that room?
6: Yeah. So, I mean, there were a lot of big moments, you know, as, as somebody who covers the campaign really closely, I at various times would see Hillary Clinton say something like your family would benefit a lot from the tax proposal that you're making or uh, talking about a, a loan that, that Donald Trump's father gave to him. And you, it was like, she was, laying out little breadcrumbs, hoping he would follow them and pounce and respond. And in many cases, he did, Yeah, um, which led to some of the fireworks in the debate.
0: So, Tam, you weren't in the audience, but I'm sure you saw as well uh, that the audience did get a little rowdy by the end of the night. What was that about?
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, they were not supposed to. Uh, They they were strictly admonished to stay quiet. But, um, you know, in some ways, it felt like the debate devolved as the night went on mm-hmm. you know the first 20 minutes it started out very nice and polite and and by the end you know there wasn't a lot of talk about policy and and i think the crowd just gave up uh on on being quiet
0: well from what i understand you have to be on the air in a few hours so um we're gonna let you go work
6: yeah i have a bus to catch
0: okay you're, you are you're, <laughs> always, the same catching same you're always, always catching a bus you're literally always catching a bus
6: Either a bus or a plane or sometimes a train, but I'm always moving.
0: <laughs> righty Be safe out there.
6: All right. I'll be listening in the morning when you guys trust the pod. Cool. Bye. Okay, bye.
0: So what I was interested in is how it seemed like some parts of the debate were about policy and other parts were about Trump and Clinton tearing down the other's character. Um, I could have done with a little bit less of the character stuff and more policy talk right um but since we're i've mentioned policy now danielle what policy discussions uh stood out to you
2: uh definitely trade and and you're right you know anytime it seemed like we were going to get a little too deep on the policy front i feel like we veered back into you know personality attacks that sort of thing uh but trade was fascinating to watch, I think, uh, in part because trade has really been the unexpected sort of amazingly sexy economic topic of the last couple of <laughs> years. Who would have thought, you know, trade policy and tariffs... Can terror- we say that on the podcast? I, I don't know. Is that too risque? Yeah. Oh, I, I, think, yes. I think when
3: you say trans-Pacific partnership... Oh, you know, shivers it just, it just down does the spine. Something, ...does something to me. Well, you guys are weird
2: then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, listen, all right. Because, you know, Donald Trump brings up trade, and with very good reason, it, um There is good recent evidence coming out that, you know, trade with China really has hurt American jobs, particularly in manufacturing. Uh So that's true. And, you know, people have seen jobs go overseas and they are, you know, quite understandably upset about it. So... Donald Trump naturally rails on trade, and you know he says it's terrible. He says, and he ends up saying some factually incorrect things, though. He said NAFTA is the worst trade deal. I think my husband did a pretty good job in the 1990s. I think a lot about what
1: worked and how we can make it work again. Well, he approved Three NAFTA. New jobs, he approved a NAFTA. He Which is the single worst trade incomes, deal ever approved in, in this country. Incomes went up for
2: everybody. Actually, uh, economic assessments this. of this would say it was moderately yeah. positive. Overall, for the U.S. US growth, though, of course, for the people who did lose their jobs, it is still catastrophic. Likewise, you know, on TPP, he really had an opening to hit her and he tried to a bit where he said, you know, you at one point called this the gold standard and now you didn't. And... Then he said, you heard what I said about TPP, and all of a sudden you were against it.
4: You were totally in favor of it. Then you heard what I was saying, how bad it is, and you said, I can't win that debate. But he, a- you know he accused
2: her of changing her position because of him. Now, if anything, people accuse her of changing her position because of Bernie. One. Right. And so she just came back with, well, you live in your own reality, Donald. That's the
4: finest deal you've ever seen. No. And then you heard what I said about it, and all of a sudden you were against
2: it. Well,
1: Donald, I know you live in your own reality, but oh, yeah. that is not... The
2: facts, the facts. Are, she jujitsued her way away from that. And so they didn't really get to get into her change of policy on TPP very yeah. much because it just turned once again into yeah. a personality thing.
0: My beef with TPP discussions mm-hmm. amongst the candidates throughout this election, they'll start talking trade. They'll start talking about how China's so bad for trade. And then they'll say TPP. China's not in TPP. Right. How? Like, I feel like so many Americans and so many of the candidates talk around what that thing actually is. Did they get any clarity with TPP tonight?
3: Not that I heard. I, I no. think you're absolutely right. If, if anything, TPP was negotiated to give the United States an advantage in the Asian region against over China or China. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the threat by the supporters of TPP is if we don't do this, then China will. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a complete mischaracterization to say that this is somehow being done in the interest of China.
2: Right. One thing I do want to add, by the way, just to sort of sum this all up, is that you have on trade. Listen, you have a lot of very extreme statements from Donald Trump, you know, that essentially say, you know, trade with other countries is bad. It's really hurting us economically. That is easy to understand. It's easy to digest. But Hillary Clinton tonight had a more nuanced uh, thing to say and that actually was more practical where she said, listen, we have to trade with the other 95 percent of the world. I mean, we can't just cut ourselves off.
0: So I want to talk about what was for me the most cringeworthy exchange of the evening. There was a long discussion from the candidates on race and birtherism. And I was particularly taken aback by Donald Trump's start to his answer on the first question of race. He said that blacks and Latinos are living in hell. Uh,
4: We have a situation where we have... Our inner cities, African Americans, Hispanics are living in hell because it's so dangerous. You walk down the street, you get shot. In Chicago, they've had thousands of shootings, thousands since January 1st. Thousands of shootings. And I'm saying, where is this? Is this a war torn country? What are we doing?
0: And then he went on to to defend Stop stop and Frisk, which communities of color find to be unfair to them. What should we make of that whole thing?
3: The the standard analysis of what Donald Trump has been trying to do in his outreach, as it's sometimes called to African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, is not so much get their votes as suppress, uh, suppress the idea that he's somehow against them, and also to... Suppress that idea in particular in the minds of people who are not part of those communities, But particularly white suburban women who usually vote Republican but have been repulsed by some yeah. of his remarks.
0: But that that I get. But isn't there a more graceful way to do it?
3: I would think so. And I think other Republican candidates, not only for president, but for many other offices, have found those ways. For example, right now, there are 24 Republicans uh, running for seats that the Republicans now hold in the Senate. And most of them look like they're going to be pretty easily reelected, including in states where there are huge communities of color. And they're doing much better at communicating a message, a Republican message, but nonetheless, a message that is palatable to those communities in a way that Donald Trump has not found
0: as yet. And then there was a lot of talk again about birtherism. Uh, an issue that I really hope at some point soon gets put to bed. Um, What should we make of that, Danielle?
2: That's a great question because, I mean, I'm just sitting here looking at the transcript and one of the, uh, I think, more remarkable exchanges about this is after they had been talking about uh, birtherism going back and forth where Donald Trump was accusing uh, Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign of having um, really pushed this birther narrative – uh, Lester Holt followed up, and he said, "You know, I, I just want to." He said he interrupted. He said, "I want to follow up."
5: I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to follow, but I will let you respond to that because if there's a lot there, but we're talking about racial healing in this segment, what do you say to Americans? Well, it was very. I say, I say nothing.
4: I say nothing because I was able to get him to produce it. it. He should have produced it a long time before. I say nothing. But let me just tell you, when you talk about healing, I think that I've developed very, very good relationships over the last little while with the African-American community. I think you can see that.
2: He had no answer to it except the birth certificate was good. And he went on to say that he felt that he did a great service and that he felt the African-American community wanted him to come to this conclusion.
0: That's kind of not the case. Well, the
3: the problem is that the, the birth certificate was produced in 2011. Right. And Donald Trump has continued to harp upon his disbelief in the birth certificate that he now claims credit for. Over a five-year period after the birth certificate was produced, this was a running joke in Washington and in the political community, the journalistic community, that Donald Trump kept going on about this year after year, despite the fact that the birth certificate had been produced. Mm -hmm. And now he's taking credit. For the birth certificate having been produced and saying it did a public service, right, and
2: saying he finished it in 2011, one would imagine. And, I guess. And, and
3: this is why, and this is why, some journalists have begun to find it very difficult to apply the usual rules of balanced reporting
0: to some of the things that Donald Trump says. So, you know, Trump uh, did have some stronger moments throughout the night. Um, He was getting hit pretty hard on his taxes and whether or not he would release them. He said he couldn't because of audit. But then he said, well, I'll release them when Hillary releases 33,000 deleted emails from her time as secretary of state.
1: I made a mistake using a private email. That's for sure. Um, And if I had to do it over again, I would obviously do it differently. Um, But. I'm not going to make any excuses. It was a mistake, and I take responsibility for that.
5: Mr. Trump?
4: That was more than a mistake. That was done purposely, okay? That was not a mistake. That was done purposely.
3: I thought it was one of his strongest moments of the night, and it was a moment for him to tap into something that is a proven vulnerability of his opponent and one that she has never adequately explained or been able to move past. He really hit her on that. He had her on the ropes on that one.
2: Right, and I, and we were talking about index card moments before. That was clearly the you know Hillary Clinton saying the response. She was yes. trying to put it in a She's box, like, not equivocate, and say it was a mistake. I would do it differently. Period. I mean, she that was clearly all she wanted to get at yes. in that yes. answer. Yeah. yeah. So
0: besides that, some other things stood out to me. Um, this whole stamina situation. <laughs> Well, let's just play the tape first. You need tremendous stamina. The court
4: was, you I have, just don't think wait, she has a Wait a, a minute, let's you ask law. me a question. Did you ask me a question? You have to be able to negotiate our trade deals. You have to be able to negotiate, that's right, with Japan, with Saudi Arabia. I mean, can you imagine we're defending Saudi Arabia, and with all of the money they have, we're defending them, and they're not paying. All you have to do is speak to them. wait. You have so many different things you have to be able to do, and I don't believe that Hillary has the stamina.
3: Now, some people are going to say, and that is a bit of a Trumpism, isn't it, to say some people, many people say... People are saying. But people Mm -hmm. are saying, women are saying that when you shift from a woman's looks to her stamina, that you are still in the world, you are still trafficking in the world of cliches about women that would be called sexism.
2: Well, but Hillary Clinton, once again, like I said earlier, she turned it into, first of all, you know, you've said all these things about women, but she also had a non-gendered defense of her stamina.
1: Let's let her respond. Well, as soon as he travels to 112 countries and negotiates a peace deal, a ceasefire, a release of dissidents, an opening of new uh, opportunities in nations around the world, or even spends 11 hours testifying in front of uh, a congressional committee. He can talk to me about stamina. The world.
0: So as we mentioned, uh, Trump was asked several times about his taxes and if he'd release them. Uh, In response, Trump basically said that paying no taxes meant that he's smart. Um, Clinton pushed him hard, and she gave some reasons as to why Trump may not have released his tax returns.
1: Maybe he doesn't want the American people, all of you watching tonight, to know that he's paid nothing in federal taxes. Because the only years that anybody's ever seen were a couple of years when he had to turn them over to state authorities when he was trying to get a casino license, and they showed he didn't pay any federal income tax. So that makes if he's smart. paid zero, that means zero. He's got a point. I'm sorry. He's got zero. a point. Vote for me, folks. Yeah. I'm too smart to pay taxes.
0: Now, smart's not always good, but. I, I just, you
3: know, Mitt Romney was roundly criticized four years ago for the rate he was paying. Who the doesn't tax. try to
0: pay the lowest
3: rate right. of taxes I think people- they can? But zero, Sam. That's that's tax avoidance. It's not illegal. I'm not, say, listen, it's I'm not, not saying illegal, it's right or wrong. I'm but the IRS IS, is auditing to find out yes, if it's illegal. But
0: I'm sure. saying the general desire to pay low taxes, Absolutely. everybody's doing of it. Of course. Yes.
3: I, I agree. If everyone in the country who would rather pay less taxes votes for Donald Trump, he will be president <laughs> and probably for eight years. Yeah. But there is also... The emotional reaction that some may feel that says, why is this billionaire who brags about how much money he made last year, which he did in this debate, hundreds of millions of dollars, why is he not paying yeah. any taxes hey, when I'm paying taxes yeah. that are quite painful?
2: I mean, I, I'm with you that, you know, a lot of Americans, right, would most definitely, if they could get away with it, heck yes, they would pay less in taxes. And this is also, you know, a very clear to me uh, sign of what is so appealing about Donald Trump to so many people, which is that plain spokenness. Mitt Romney was never going to say, hey, listen, you know, if I can p- pay, less yeah. taxes, pay less in taxes, I'm going to pay less in taxes. Donald Trump is willing to say that. And people love that about him.
0: He says all the stuff that you wish you could say. <laughs> like, his, like people, people feel that way.
2: Right. Because how, how did Mitt Romney defend it in 2012? Defend his lower rate? It
0: was actually a
3: version of, I'm smart enough to do that, and <laughs> that's what good businessmen do, and that gives me more money to create more jobs. But it it didn't sell well because Mitt Romney did not have that ability to connect on an emotional level with ordinary Americans, Mm -hmm. Um, whatever else he had going for him. And of course, he's no fan of Donald Trump and vice versa uh, at this point. But he was not able to make that connection. That has been the genius of Donald Mm -hmm. Trump's rise.
0: So, as we mentioned, there were a lot of economics in tonight's debate. If you want to hear more about that, economics, make sure to grab the latest episode of Planet Money, another great NPR podcast. That one's all about the economy. I'll be on that show as a special guest, and we'll talk more about economic policy and the politics of it from this debate. It should be out Tuesday evening. Uh, But for now, Danielle, any other econ things we should touch on before we move on? Uh,
2: This is one thing that I'm I'm sure uh, will be buried in all of the other commentary, but this is a thing Donald Trump has really uh, leaned on in the last couple of weeks, which is Janet Yellen.
0: Uh, oh yeah,
2: the Federal Reserve Chair. He yeah. he has now been accusing her of being po- of playing politics uh-huh. um, of the Federal Reserve uh, deciding to keep interest rates low. Uh, the implication being to help President Obama. We
4: have a Fed that's doing political things. This Janet Yellen of the Fed. The Fed is doing political by keeping the interest rates at this level. And believe me, the day Obama goes off and he leaves and he goes out to the golf course for the rest of his life to play golf, when they raise interest rates, you're going to see some very bad things happen because the Fed is not doing their job. So the
2: the Federal Reserve is
4: designed
2: designed to be independent. I mean, yes, Janet Yellen provides her twice a year report to Congress. Yes, the president, of course, appointed her. But... There are various safeguards in place. The governors are appointed for 14-year terms. So, in other words, they have to serve more than one president during their term. Uh, The chairs often will serve presidents of different parties. Ben Bernanke served both George Uh W. Bush and Obama, and Obama reappointed him. Uh, Janet Yellen has been appointed by Obama, and were Trump to win, she would serve under him. This is how it works. Yes, Trump may want to replace her. He probably would. But this is just kind of how it goes. Janet Yellen last week defended herself. She said, listen, elections don't come up in these things in our in our meetings when the transcripts come out in five years. That'll prove it. I have yet to hear Trump provide evidence of this. The AP fact checks has says there's not evidence Janet Yellen is playing politics. It's just he doesn't seem to have anything to back it up with, except a feeling, except a feeling. Exactly. You know what? Low interest rates may be helping the economy. And that good economy may be helping president obama but to try to connect the two is connecting dots that it doesn't seem are quite there
3: and donald trump cannot say that what the fed is doing is creating a good economy because that undercuts his own criticism that the economy is worse than ever right so it's complicated
0: so were there things that like topics that weren't i mean they got a lot of topics in
3: Uh, how about zika didn't hear anything about it how about the supreme court appointment of uh President Obama, which has never been given even a hearing, that did not come up. And a couple of things that kind of surprised me, we didn't hear anything about Louisiana flooding victims, even though oh, Donald Trump yeah. went down there to work with them. And we heard nothing about Flint, Michigan, which is True. a major issue mm-hmm. for Hillary. And Donald Trump
0: did go to Flint and try to get his hand in on that issue. Well, that race conversation could have gone there and said yes. went to birtherism. That's correct. Mm-hmm. also didn't hear too much about Benghazi. Oddly sure? enough.
3: Oddly enough, considering, especially because uh, two of the guests sitting with Donald Trump's family uh, were a Gold Star mother uh, who lost her son at Benghazi and also a survivor of what happened in Benghazi.
0: This debate was just chock full of moments and there's like too much to go into depth on. But let's do a really quick lightning round of some of the cray cray moments. Um, There was uh, Clinton basically saying at one point, are you going to blame me for everything? And then Trump saying...
1: Why not? I have a feeling that by the end of this evening, I'm going to be blamed for everything that's ever happened. Why not? Why not? Yeah, why not?
3: This after he yeah, had just, you know, just, l- just listed a number of things that were not good yeah. in the United States today. Violence and rising crime of some kinds. And ISIS. certain people dying by the thousands and gun violence in Chicago and so on. And all
0: of that was being laid at her doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was the point when uh, Clinton said that Donald Trump's secret plan is that he
1: has no plan. But it's like his plan to defeat ISIS. He says it's a secret plan, but... The only secret is that he has no plan.
3: And, so and I'm suggesting that the hack that was done on the DNC and perhaps some of the hacks that have been done on, on uh, some of the states... Uh, were maybe not the work of Russia, although mm-hmm. that's what the American intelligence services are telling us unofficially. He said maybe it was China. She's saying Russia, Russia,
4: Russia, but I don't, maybe it was. I mean, it could be Russia, but it could also be China. It could also be lots of other people. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? You don't know who broke in to DNC.
3: There was also a moment quite near the end when he responded to one of her attacks by saying, you know, I was going to say something really rough (laughs) about the Clinton family, but I decided no. But you want to know the truth?
4: I was going to say something extremely rough to Hillary, to her family, and I said to myself, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's inappropriate. It's not nice. But she spent hundreds of millions of dollars on negative ads on me, many of which are absolutely untrue.
0: Then there was a moment where, like, Clinton uh, says basically to Trump, uh, yeah, I prepared for this debate just like I'm preparing to be president.
1: That I think Donald just criticized me for preparing for this debate. And yes, I did. And you know what else I prepared for? I prepared to be president. And I think that's a good thing.
0: It was, uh, she was trying to go for some mic drop there. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of mic drops, um, the shimmy you heard around the world. We oh, talked man. about that. Yeah, that was some shoulder action.
3: Well, there was a five-minute spate. Mm-hmm. When, yes. And I think this will be much remembered as, as other moments and other debates are isolated. Perhaps unfairly because really, I mean, they're usually not the most substantive moments, not the most policy-driven moments. But there was a period when, nettled, clearly annoyed, uh, Donald Trump went on for some time about Sean Hannity. The
4: Sean Hannity said very strongly to me and other people, he's willing to say, but nobody wants to call him. When he said, what? Con- you know, yeah. Commentator
3: and, and then about this and that and whether, you know, so-and-so is believable. What
4: do you think of NATO? Now, you have to understand I'm a business person. Did really well, And one of but your compatriots said, you know, whether it was before or right after, Trump was definitely, because if you read this article, there's no but doubt. But that was largely because of what I was saying and my criticism of NATO. I have a winning temperament. I know how to win. She does not have to, to win. Clinton. Wait, the AFL-CIO the other day.
3: Uh, it went on for about five minutes screen. and some seconds, I, I have been told. I haven't to, timed it myself. And when he finally he finished, totally Hillary Clinton chuckled, person, beamed, And did a little shoulder shimmy. Secretary
1: Clinton. Woo! Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not a
3: little little shoulder shimmy. It was a real shoulder shimmy. It was a definite shoulder shimmy. The shimmery, the shillery, what do we call this? It's it's absolutely a gif in the making. You can find it all over Facebook and Twitter. She seemed... How did you say gif? Okay, I I mean, (laughs) has this ever been really determined? (laughs) We'll say it it again. gif
2: makes more sense, Right.
3: It does make more sense. It just sounds weird. So okay. How do
0: you, I'll say GIF. No, say it.
2: We want you to I'll we, say we have
0: the debate. It's fine.
3: I'll, ha- I'll say GIF or, or bring it on, you know. Bring it on. Bring it on. Well, you know, there are two more debates. Yes. Hmm. And we don't know who will be shimmying after debate number two. Speaking of two more debates,
0: what uh, should we expect next? I don't know what to expect.
2: I mean... It- at the very least, what I expect for tomorrow, um, when I am talking to my friends, when I am hearing a- any or coworkers or whoever talk about this debate, I just really feel like this was a Rorschach test. I mean, wow, I have yeah. already tonight heard from, you know, people I know, family members, friends. I've heard coworkers talking about what their neighbors and friends and so on are saying. I and it sounds like you, from very different people who all watch the same debate. You have people who say, man, Trump did pretty well. And people who say, man, Hillary Clinton did really, really well. You know, I think if you really want to see a particular thing in this debate, you're going to. Uh And so because of this, this is why I sort of I not just sort of I entirely hate the who won and who lost uh, conversations that come out of these debates because, well, show me your scorecard first. Yeah. Also,
0: it's like if you went into this debate as a strong Trump supporter, you're going to be a strong Trump supporter coming out of it. Absolutely. Same for Clinton. No
3: Absolutely. question. Yep. No question. Neither of them will lose uh, committed voters because okay. of this debate.
2: I personally, I wonder if Donald Trump uh, in the next debate keeps his emotions in check a bit more. Uh, I know there's been a lot of commentary tonight um, that, you know, as the debate went on, he he started interrupting more. He got a bit louder. He got a li- little bit more in Hillary Clinton's face. And he rambled a bit on the birther stuff. I'm wondering if he tries to, you know, sort of keep it in check in future debates. That's a guess. I'm not sure.
3: And of course, if the feedback that he gets from his supporters and his retinue and campaign is that he was great. Sure. And that he is going to make America great again and he's going to win 30 states uh, after this debate, maybe he should see no reason to change.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's a Rorschach test to the candidates and their campaigns as well, you know?
3: You say Rorschach so well, Rorschach. I can't say it. Rorschach.
2: Rorschach. You, you, you're
3: Rorschach. sure it's not Rorschach? Like Shiv?
0: Shut her down. Are you sure? Are you sure? Okay, I'm not, so I'm not, that's, I'm not
2: responding to this. I'm just not. So
0: that's a wrap for
2: tonight. I can't handle. Listeners, Rod's let us know how we say anymore.
0: Rorschach a lot. Rorschach. 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 Okay, check out our fact check from tonight's debate at npr.org, and check out NPR's Planet Money later on today to hear me yuck it up with those fine folks. Also, before we go, big special drum roll worthy announcement. Can we get that? Okay, starting Tuesday, October twenty fifth, two weeks before Election Day, we'll be doing daily episodes of the podcast. Do it and daily. And the crowd
5: goes wild. We're gonna
0: do oh it daily. God. Daily. We have more details coming, but yes, every day, four, two weeks, right up to election day, get set, it's going to be lit.
2: I am set. Out of
0: hand, off the chain. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For sheezy, Ron. Oh my God. Out of sight. (laughs) Okay, we'll be back in your feed with a new episode tomorrow, once we've had a bit more time to sort through all of this stuff. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter.
2: I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, political reporter.
0: And I'm Ron Elving, editor, correspondent, and GIF editor. You can't see my shoulders right now. We're shimming. Thank him. you for Wish listening to him. the NPR Politics podcast.